0: Well, welcome to Alpine Church. It's great to have you guys here today. It's exciting that that you've chosen to be here and worship with us this morning. And I just want to extend a special welcome if it happens to be your first time here at Alpine. Thank you so much for checking us out. We hope that you would feel very welcome today and, and we hope that we'd be able to help you pursue God today. Uh, If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is John Bellis. I'm the lead pastor up at the Alpine Logan campus, and then I'm also on the executive team here at Alpine Church, and I'm excited to be back in Riverdale and to dig into God's word with you today as we continue on in this sermon series called The Pursuit. Now, The Pursuit is our our 12-lesson discipleship track that we really hope everyone who calls Alpine Church their home church would go through, and we hope that every one of you would lead someone else through it. You know, it really is our hope that all of our sermon series equip you to go help the next person pursue God. But this one in particular, we hope that you would take and share it with someone that you love. And maybe that means starting at home. Maybe that means with your kids, with your spouse, with a neighbor. You know, I've really been challenging all of the folks up in Logan that as we go through this series, I've asked them to be thinking about and praying about Who are you going to share this with when we wrap up the series? And I'm sure Pastor Eric would love it if you guys would do the same here in Riverdale. Now, the first three messages in this series kind of laid the foundation of a pursuit of God. And we saw in week one that the only reason you and I can pursue him is because he first pursued us. What amazing news that the God of the universe is for you and desires a relationship with you. And then in week two, we looked at evidence for the reliability of the Bible. We saw that there, there is logical evidence that it is trustworthy, that God never called us to check our brains at the door when we became followers of Christ. And then in week three, we saw that all of us have immeasurable worth and value because we were created in the image of Almighty God. And I really hope that's a conversation that all of us as parents have had with our kids after week three. I really believe our kids desperately need to know how valuable they are in the eyes of God. So I hope you've had that conversation. And those first three weeks were exciting. And they were encouraging and everything was going along really well. And then we hit week four. Week four was kind of a downer. Week four was like the rotten peanut in your trail mix, right? You know, you're eating your trail mix. You know what I'm talking about. Everything tastes pretty good, and all of a sudden there's that one rotten peanut in it. That's kind of how week four was. Because in week four, we saw that every one of us has a sin problem. And that that sin problem separates us from the holy, perfect, righteous God who created us. But thankfully, in week five, we saw that there is an answer to our sin problem. And the answer to our sin problem isn't a list of do's and don'ts. It isn't a strategy on how to try harder or have a better life. The answer to our sin problem is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And then last week, if you were with us, we saw how we respond in faith to that. We saw how to put our trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross. And we saw that that, that gives us new life, that that's how we begin a relationship with God is by trusting that what Jesus did on the cross was enough for us. And so all of that really led us to the first part of this image that we call a full circle pursuit of God. If you've attended Alpine for any length of time, you've seen this image. We talk about it all the time. And really, everything we've done up to this point got us to that first arrow, and that's that we trust Jesus for salvation. That's how we begin a relationship with God. And today is really a turning point. Today we're going to get into this second arrow on how do we live a life that honors God. And I would say it's not just a turning point in our series, it's a turning point in your life. Some of you maybe put your faith in Jesus for the first time last week, and if you did, praise God. That is awesome, and I'm so glad you're back today. Because that defining moment that you had is not just the end of your old life. It is that, but it's also the beginning of your new life. A new life in Christ. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it rich and abundantly. Another translation says, I've come that they may have life to the full. And I can promise you, after following Jesus over 40 years now, that's the kind of life that he offers us when we seek him. So when we have that defining moment of putting our faith in Christ, the Bible says something pretty amazing happens. It says that you and I become a new creation. Here's how the Apostle Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17, he says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. So what does that look like? What is this? new life that he came to give us. That's what we're going to talk about over the next three weeks. How do we live a life that's rich and abundant? How do we live a life that honors God? So that's where we're headed. And the first thing that I want you to see in this verse is that it says, anyone that belongs to Christ has become a new person. In other words, it's past tense. It already happened. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you became a new person. And I stress that today. I want to bring that up today because there are going to be times in your life where you're not going to feel like a new person. It might be next week. It might be next month. It might be next year. But I guarantee you there are going to be times when you don't feel like a new person. You're going to struggle with sins that you struggled with in the past or you're going to face new temptations and the devil's going to whisper to you, maybe you're not really a new person. When that happens, I pray that you would know that what God's word says about you is far more important and far more trustworthy than how you feel about it. God's word says you are a new creation. Now you are going to become more and more like Jesus over time. You are going to live a life that honors God more and more over time. That is a process. The Bible calls that sanctification. But you were created a new person the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And God knows that we can forget that sometimes, so he gave us a very tangible way to remember that, and one of the roles of baptism is for that. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, the role of baptism in the Christian life. Now, a lot of religious groups practice baptism in one form or another, but they all have different meanings. So, for example, the the Roman Catholic baptism has different nuances of meaning than evangelical Protestant baptism does. Latter-day Saint baptism looks very similar to the baptism that we do, but it has a different significance. The Jehovah's Witnesses baptism has different meanings than what we practice. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and, and criticize or critique anybody else's practice of baptism. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on what God's Word says about it. I'm going to talk to you about how we do it here at Alpine. And then my challenge to you is you dig into the Word and you make sure that what I'm saying is correct. And then you make a decision for yourself. And I want to be honest with you today that my heart is not just to explain it but my heart is to encourage any of you who have put your faith in Jesus Christ, but for whatever reason, you've never been baptized. I'm going to encourage you to take that step of obedience, to take that next step. And so I want to talk about five biblical truths of baptism. And here's the first one. Baptism does not save you. Baptism doesn't save us. It's important, but it's not required for salvation. And one of the compelling pieces of evidence for that, there are many, but one of the compelling pieces of evidence is the thief on the cross. So if you know the story about Jesus' crucifixion, there were two criminals who were crucified at the same time he was. And one of them, at some point on the cross, realized that Jesus was who he said he was. Now, this criminal had a checkered background, right? He had a checkered past. But he recognized that his sins deserved death That's what he said. He said, I recognize that my sins deserve death, but this man has done nothing wrong. So he recognized Jesus' innocence. And then he asked Jesus, he said, Jesus, please remember me when you enter your kingdom. So with that request, we can tell that he also recognized Jesus' authority and Jesus' lordship. And Jesus responded to him, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't say, well, man, that's great, but I can't you get, off, get you off of this cross to go get baptized, so you're out of luck. He didn't say, well, you're going to go to a staging area or some sort of purgatory, and then if down the road somebody else is baptized for you, then you'll be with me in paradise. No, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. So baptism is not required for salvation. As we saw last week, salvation is Jesus plus Nothing. We wear those shirts all the time, right? Jesus plus nothing. It's no work of ourselves, including the work of baptism. Romans 3.22, we looked at this last week. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. The water of baptism doesn't wash away our sins. Our sins were washed away the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ. When you put your faith in Jesus, every sin, past, present, and future, was forgiven through the blood of Jesus. The Bible says we were justified in a moment. So when God looks at me, he looks at me just as if I'd never sinned when I put my faith in Christ. So if it doesn't contribute to our salvation, why is it such a big deal? Why is it important? Well, there are several reasons, and the first one is because Jesus said to do it. (laughs) Jesus said, get baptized. Now, it's not the only reason to get baptized, but it should be the only reason we need. Last week, we talked about how a saving faith involves the right information about Jesus and the right attitude. So the right information leads us to recognize that he is Lord, that he is fully God, that He is now on the throne of our lives, and so the right attitude in response to that is, Jesus, you call the shots now. You get to have authority in my life, and so I'm going to do what you ask me to do. And Jesus asks us to get baptized in Matthew 28. This is a verse you see a lot here at Alpine Church because we believe we're on mission with Jesus. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, as you go and make disciples, you will baptize them. They go hand in hand. He didn't put any disclaimers on it. He didn't put any qualifiers on it. He didn't say, go and make disciples, and if they want to, they can get baptized. No, he said, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One of our core values, as I mentioned, is we're on mission with Jesus. That means we believe as a church that all of us should be going out and making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that the two go hand in hand. So since it's part of a command, then that means when we do it, it's an early act of obedience. It's a way for us to show in a very tangible way, a very demonstrable way, that I want to obey what God asks me to do. And it's a way to do it publicly. It's a way to kind of set the tone for this new life that we have in Jesus, that, hey, moving forward, Jesus, you get to call the shots. See, this new life is characterized by God being on the throne, not you and I being on the throne. And honestly, for most of us, this is a pretty easy first step of obedience. There are going to be things in your life that God's going to ask you to do that honor him that are way more difficult than getting baptized. There are going to be habits and hang-ups that you've struggled with that God's going to ask you to turn over to him that are going to be way tougher than stepping out in obedience and being baptized. Now, we're going to learn next week that God's spirit is going to give you the, the power and the ability to make those changes. You don't have to do it on your own, but there's still going to be times that are tough. But for most of us, this is actually a pretty easy one. You know, it kind of reminds me of when guys complain, like newly married guys complain when their wives tell them to put the toilet seat back down when they're done in the bathroom. They want to complain about that. I'm like, you're complaining about that? Like, that's an easy one, man. I've been married 27 years. You're going to get a lot of requests that are way tougher than that. You might as well take advantage of the easy ones, right? Now, I do recognize if you have family that isn't supportive of this, that it makes it more difficult. I I recognize that if that's your situation, my heart breaks for you that you wouldn't have the support of your family. But even in that situation, it's a great way for you to set the tone and say, hey, Jesus calls the shots now. He's asking me to do this. There's a great example of this early act of obedience in the Bible in Acts chapter 8. So in Acts chapter 8, there is this Ethiopian official who has been visiting Jerusalem and he's heading back to Ethiopia. And the Holy Spirit leads Philip to meet him on the road. And then once he's on the road with him, the Holy Spirit says, hey, I want you to go up and walk along beside him as this guy is riding in his chariot. And and he's reading a passage from Isaiah. And Philip asks the Ethiopian, do you understand what you're reading? He says, no, how can I understand it unless somebody explains it to me? So Philip jumps up in the chariot and begins to explain the passage in Isaiah. And the Bible says that he begins to preach Jesus. And this Ethiopian official puts his faith in Jesus Christ right there in the chariot. He has his defining moment like we talked about last week. And then we see this interaction shortly after that. It says, as they rode along, they came to some water. And Enoch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? So obviously in their conversation, Philip had talked about the importance of baptism. It had come up. And they come upon this water and the Ethiopian said, hey man, there's some water, let's do this thing. I'm ready, let's go. And I love it that the only thing Philip did was confirm this guy's faith. The only thing Philip wanted to make sure is that he had the right information and the right attitude about Jesus. So we asked him, do you believe these things we've talked about with all your heart? And the Ethiopian official responded with, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Philip didn't say, no, man, it's too soon. You you can't get baptized yet. I just shared the gospel with you. You've, You've got to prove yourself. You've got to go to church for a while. You've got to attend synagogue. You've got to memorize the Ten Commandments. All he needed to know was that the Ethiopian official had the right information and the right attitude. And then he took him forward in that step in baptism. So I just want you to understand if you're a follower of Jesus and you've never been baptized and you decide not to move forward in that step, you're not telling me no. You're not telling Pastor Eric no. Really, at the end of the day, you're telling Jesus no. Because Jesus is the one who's asked you to do it. Now, I recognize that maybe some people don't move forward because they don't fully understand what it means. So I just want to talk through two meanings of baptism, two symbols that we get. Number one, it's an act of identification. And when I say that, I don't mean that you're identifying with a particular local church. What I'm saying is that you're identifying with Jesus. You're saying that you've been joined with him. And because you've been joined with Jesus, you are identifying with the church, capital C Church, the church that is comprised of every believer past, present, and future throughout the world who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. Paul talks about this in Romans 6.3. He says, or Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? Now think about the symbolism there. See, when Jesus died on the cross, you and I weren't there. But even though we came along centuries later, We've been united with Jesus in his death. Baptism is a very powerful symbol of that union. That's why here at Alpine, we do baptism by immersion. That's why we go all the way under the water because it's a symbol of dying with Christ. It's a symbol that our old life is gone. And guess what else is gone? All of our shame, all of our guilt, they've been buried with Jesus. So it's one of those powerful pictures that we get of something that's already happened on the inside because baptism doesn't do that for us. All of that shame, all of that guilt was buried with Christ the moment we put our faith in Him. But baptism gives us something tangible that we can look back and see and remember. See, that's why we do baptism in front of others here. We don't do it behind closed doors. We don't do it secretly at night when no one's around. We do it publicly Because we want people to know that we're identifying with Jesus, that we've been joined with him in his death. And because of that, we're going to join with him in his resurrection. You'll also see in this verse that it says, have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus? So this is further evidence of the reality that because you are joined to Jesus and I am joined to Jesus, then we are also joined to one another. Again, that we are part of the family of God. we, We throw around these terms, you know, brother and sister in Christ, but they're not just terms. It's a reality that you and I, as we have put our faith in Jesus Christ, we become part of the family of God. And again, I'm not talking about just Alpine. I'm talking about every individual who has put their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. So it's a great way to identify with that and share that connection. Now, baptism doesn't make us part of the family. Putting our faith in Jesus does. But baptism is a great way to show others that we belong to the family of God. There's one more important point I want to share about the meaning of baptism. And that's that it's an outward symbol of an inward reality. And this is really just a continuation of our last point. So we just looked at Romans 6.3. I want to take you to the very next verse, Romans 6.4. Paul says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. The ESV translates it just a little bit different. It says, therefore we were buried with him by baptism unto death. Again, this idea that as as we go under the water, it's a picture of what has already happened in our lives. That the old us has been buried. That we've been united with Jesus. See, we don't physically see that when we first put our faith in him there's not usually evidence that manifests itself immediately that you and I are a new person now that will happen over time As, as people see us, as they watch us they should see that our lives are different they should see that we are becoming more and more like Jesus they'll be able to tell that we have this new life but in the immediate term often we don't see that so baptism is a great reminder for us to go back and look upon And then verse 4 is a powerful picture of what happens when we come up out of the water. It says that we come up out of the water to a new life. This is a symbol of the resurrection. Not, Not only the new life we have here on earth, but the new life you and I are going to have for eternity with Almighty God. I'm so glad God gives us pictures of these spiritual truths. And there's another symbol here as well. You know, going into the water is a picture of being washed of our sins. Now, again, the actual water doesn't do the washing. Only the blood of Jesus can wash us from our sins. But the blood of Jesus makes us as white as snow. And it's important to have these visual symbols that we can look at because, again, guys, I can guarantee you, if you haven't experienced this already, you will. There are going to be days when you don't feel washed clean, you don't feel white as snow. And that's what's important to go back and stand on the promises of God's word and say, I know that that happened. And my baptism is a great visual symbol of that. I'll share one more illustration that I think at least helps me understand the symbolism of baptism. and that, That's my wedding ring. I've been married for 27 years. I've, I've never taken this ring off in 27 years. Now, this ring doesn't make me married. If I took it off, I'd still be married. And you can wear a ring and not be married right? Just like baptism, there are a lot of people who get baptized that haven't made the individual decision to put their faith in Jesus Christ. But for those of us who have made that decision and follow through with baptism, it's a great picture that we belong to someone. We belong to someone else now. We belong to Jesus. We've been united with him in his death, and we're going to be united with him in his resurrection. You know, I said at the beginning of the message that it was my hope that if you had put your faith in Jesus but you've never stepped forward in this act of baptism, that this would encourage you to do that. But I recognize maybe you have some questions. So I want to talk about three very practical scenarios that I've experienced in my years in ministry in Utah. These are three situations that maybe some of you are in right now. The first is what if I grew up in a different religion? And I was baptized into that religion, but I realized later that that religion didn't teach a biblical salvation should I get baptized again. Well, this this is my perspective, and from reading God's Word, again, I'd encourage you to check it out, but I would say if your first baptism wasn't an outward symbol of something that had already happened inwardly if it wasn't to show that you were putting your trust in Jesus and Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins, if it was more about identifying with a religion than it was with Jesus, then yes, I'd encourage you to get baptized again. The other scenario is what if I was baptized as an infant? Should I be baptized again as an adult? Again, from my perspective, as I read the Scriptures, I would say yes, because as an infant, you didn't make any conscious decision to put your faith in Christ. You hadn't been washed clean of your sins yet. But now that you're an adult, if you recognize that you're trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone, and you want to make that proclamation public that that's who I'm identifying with, I think that'd be fantastic to be baptized a second time. And then lastly, you might ask, well, what if I came to faith and I was baptized as a new believer? but then I wandered. I quit walking with God for a while. I I played the role of the prodigal, but maybe now I'm back. And now I want to honor Jesus. Should I get baptized again? In that situation, I would encourage you not to get baptized again. Your first baptism was valid. It was an outward symbol of an inward reality that you would put your trust in Jesus Christ. And so what I would encourage you to do is go back to that. Go back to that in a fresh way. Go back to that and look at what God's word says about you that when you put your faith in Jesus, you are a new person, you're a new creation. Rest in that. Rest in the reality that God has raised you to live a new kind of life, a kind of life that honors him, a kind of life that's rich and abundant. If you have questions about any of those scenarios or maybe you just have questions about baptism in general, we'll have leaders up front. We'd love to answer those questions. But I'd like to just wrap up with, with three important questions for you. Number one, have you trusted Jesus for salvation? Are you relying on Him and Him alone for the forgiveness of your sins? If so, and you've never been baptized, you're a great candidate for baptism. Second question I would ask is are you letting God call the shots in your life? Are you submitting to what Jesus is asking you to do? Because I can promise you Jesus is asking you to get baptized if you never have. And then lastly, if you're ready to take that step of obedience, who needs to know about it? Who needs to celebrate with you? Is there a a family member, a friend, a mentor, someone who's been instrumental in helping you get to this place where you've put your faith in Jesus Christ? I guarantee you they would love to celebrate with you. They'd love to hear the news. Maybe you want to ask them to do the baptism. You know, at Alpine, you'll see the Alpine pastors, we do a fair number of baptisms here, but a lot of our baptisms at Alpine, a pastor doesn't preside over the baptism. It's a family member or a mentor or a friend, someone who played a significant role in the journey. And then the other question I would think about is who needs to see it? Who needs to witness your baptism? Who should you invite so that they can see what God has done in your life? I would also encourage you to be willing to do a video story You know, with a lot of our baptisms, we have little videos that we do. And the reason I encourage that is I know how powerful they are. I know God can use your story to speak to someone else. But I also know most people don't like talking live in front of 100 people. (laughs) So by using a a pre-recorded video, it's a great way for God to use your story but not put you on the spot and have you speak live in front of the entire congregation. So maybe God is moving in your heart today and maybe you're saying, yeah, why, why shouldn't I get baptized? I, I would encourage you after the service to come up and, and talk to myself, come up and talk to Pastor Eric, come up and talk to another leader. We would love to answer any questions that you have. I would just remind us all that God doesn't call any of us to be secret service Christians. God said, let your light shine before all men. And an easy first step in doing that is to be obedient in baptism. Let's pray. Lord God, I know in my life there have certainly been times when the devil has whispered, are you sure you're a new person? Are you sure you're a new creation? Are you sure you've been washed clean? And Lord God, I I know it was not my baptism that made me a new creation. I know it was putting my faith in you. But I remember back to that night almost 40 years ago, when I was baptized and what it was like coming up out of the water and, and identifying with you and knowing that I was being raised to, to new life, to something different. And so I thank you for that, God. I thank you that you are a God who gives us visible reminders of spiritual truths because they bring us encouragement. I just want to lift up anyone here today who maybe is, has been convicted today and they recognize that they are trusting in you but they've never been obedient with this step. God, I pray that you give them the courage to move forward and get that done. I pray you give them the courage to ask questions if they have other questions. And for those of us who have already done it, would you be putting people on our hearts that need to hear the good news? Would we be ready to go out and make disciples, baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? We thank you that you go before us in that, that we don't have to do it alone. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.